Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Joining me to break down the Rockets 2022 draft, and I'm so excited about it, is friend of the show, Frank from HTX Chop Shop. Great to have you on with us again, Frank. And hey, now that you've had a couple of days to think about it, how did your outlook of the team change when the Rockets got to draft Jabari instead of Paolo? I think it was a blessing in disguise. That's that's basically uh, my assessment of it. I've always, um, from the start, I thought it was the best fit for the Rockets was either going to be uh, Chet or Jabari. But um, I did always have Paolo as the number one player as far as his talent. And if you define what a number one player is, uh, you know, if you go to the dictionary and say, hey, what does a number one draft pick look like? It looks like Paolo Bancaro, you know, by all accounts. But for our team in the context of where we are, I am thrilled uh, to get the guy that we need that addresses what we have issues with right now. So we don't have to, uh, you know, make any adjustments. And you know who's the winner out of all this? Alperin Shangun. This draft, yeah, this draft just really like, to me, it shows that maybe the Rockets are committed with him going forward. So I'm, 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 I'm ecstatic, very. Yeah, working off of just what you said, two things they badly needed badly needed front court shooting and front court defense Paolo may bring that eventually but it wasn't going to be anytime soon I, I believe this makes the Rockets better this coming season Frank than they would have been with Paolo now I know there's a contingency out there that would love the Rockets to tank again because of this upcoming draft but when your best odds are 14 percent for the next freak Wembayana, it's just not worth tanking again yeah, I agree. Now, I think um, I, I really I'm happy with what I heard from Tillman and Stone at some of the pre-draft pressers that they had kind of discussing how they're looking at this coming season, which is um, basically to let things fall away they may. I think that's what I read from that is like we're going to play the guys that are going to play. We expect them to improve. Um, so I don't think they're going to do anything that's going to sabotage uh, the team's odds for winning. And if they win, then let them win. And if, if they're bad, then um, obviously you still have the option of falling back on having draft picks. But um, I think we're at the point where you kind of let the team tell you that and not any type of external manipulation of roster or, or lineups to try to get you to lose games. Let's remind everybody, they were ranked 20th last year in three-point shooting, but look at how the outlook changes when I throw this at everybody out there. Jalen Green shot 40% in March from three. KPJ, 39% in his last 37 games. Jabari shot 42% from three at Auburn, an incredible 65% when he was unguarded. And Frank, one part of the conversation that I always find amusing with, as far as the criticism on Jabari is his lack of ball creation skills. And I know you've heard that from some people on Twitter. How much creation do you need when you're 6'10 and you got a quick release and a high release and a deadly three-point shot? You just don't. I will say that this is a uh, a demarcation line and people who have watched the NBA pass when Harden came to Houston and, and before that, um, as you know, there was an era where the forwards ruled the NBA. Now it's the wing era, but there was a time where the best players in the leagues uh, where these power forwards, these t- uh, tweeners, when Kevin Garnett and Tim Duncan and these guys, um, even, uh, you know, some different types of players like that, that were able to demand uh, Dirk Nowitzki, another one, that were able to demand double teams from the mid to high post. I mean, the purpose of of a star player is for him to make the defense have to commit another player to him. 
by hook or crook, whether you're getting that in the low block, like some of our big bruisers uh, that play in low post and some of those centers, whether you're getting in the mid to high post or where you're, whether you're getting it by getting two feet in the, uh, in the paint by driving like uh, some of these guards do nowadays. Once that guy commits, the defense is in a scramble. You've done your job. And for Jabari, I don't see him being a Kyrie or a James Harden where he's going to ISO at the top of the key um, to get that double team. And I don't want to limit him to just being a catch and shoot guy. So to me, naturally, I've seen his body before. Put him on the high post where he can be a force of mismatch against some smaller guys. And like you said, release point that high, a guy that's damn near seven foot tall, um, that's a no-brainer. And I think that's really where he needs to to uh, make his money at is in that range. And with his three ball and his defense, if he can learn to facilitate out of there, he'll be a superstar. That's That's how I see it. And the one thing that you just got to love about Jabari from everything you read is his work ethic. He worked out for one team and they said they ran him for two hours nonstop. He just kept on going. And, you know, you read the article from The Ringer a few months ago, which I posted on on Twitter. It's, it's worth checking out. Just Google The Ringer and Jabari Smith. It's a fantastic article and it just talks about how this guy has developed his game, the, the work that he puts in, you know, his dad was an NBA player. So, you know, he knows how to get from point A to point B is what you got to love most about him. Yeah. I love his work ethic. I think that's to me, that's probably the most important thing that he brings to a team that we sorely need. I know we need the rebounding um, that he, at his height, he can provide the shooting obviously, and obviously the defense, but having more guys that are cut from that type of cloth, no nonsense business, buttoned up guy. And I was watching some uh, tape on Jabari. That guy's fiery, man. He does not take any mess from anybody. And um, I didn't really know that about him. He's, he seems mild mannered uh, when you see interviews, but if you watch his reactions to like when he shoots over somebody or gets a block, I mean, the dude, he is, he is, he is one of those type of type of guys. And I'm just excited. I think pairing him with Jalen green, another guy that I seen that same type of work ethic maniac um, borderline, uh, uh, a crazy person when it comes to the, how they take basketball. I think that's a perfect pairing for the two because I'm really excited about um, watching them going for it. ESPN interview. He's talking to them about wh- what he wants to do next year. And he said, well, the rookie of the year would be fine, but I want to win. Yep. I love that. And I was talking to, as you know, one of our friends, Mike, about this. And I think from day one, him coming to the locker room does put pressure on the franchise. I know it sounds silly, but having a player that demands that much, um, that much of of you and everybody around him because of what the work he's going to put in, it reminds me of Kobe. Do you remember how Kobe was when guys would complain that you know he'd be making the practices just unbearable for them to be in, and he would tell the front office that he was going to leave if they didn't do X, Y, and Z. I don't think Jabari is going to be a, a a diva in that aspect. But when you have those guys that are just dogs like that everybody has to step their game up um, or they look stupid around them. So I think there's a lot of pressure on the Rockets this year, added pressure. If they had got Paolo, maybe tanking would have been an option with Jabari. I think if you're going to be a bad team, it's going to be just because you suck, not because um, he is uh, he's letting the team just be bad. And I'm really excited to see that. You and I both love Tari Eason. His skill set is huge in today's basketball. Six foot eight with a seven two wingspan defends anywhere from four to five positions. Turned himself into a really good shooter this past year. Wasn't just that he shot 36% from three, shot 80% from the line, which is a great sign for improvement. He can turn defense into offense with steals. 
got to the free throw line a lot, which is also huge in the NBA. Threes and freeze. We talked about it with Daryl Morey when he was here. His defense and potential body top remind me a little bit of Ron Artest. I'm not saying he's going to be Ron Artest, but that's what he reminds me of. He can develop into anything I'm missing. Man, the guy is his transition game is probably the most impressive. When they in the open court, Tari is just a beast. And I think uh, for him, some of the knocks on him, I understood. Um, he does, if you know, I was watching some tape on him. Sometimes he, he does look like he's bored out there uh, uh, when he's playing. But everything you said is on point. I think the Rockets got a steal. I am not sure why he didn't start at LSU. Like, I know he was their best player. And his analytics numbers are just off the charts. I mean, everything, his true shooting is like 61%. Um, which is what you would see from like Steph and Harden in, in the league. So like you said, the free throws getting to the line that frequently um, he's just a great player. And I think by getting him and Jabari together, they've really kind of put together something that like their timeline for them starting to be a good team was shortened just by getting those two players in the same draft. You asked why he didn't start at LSU. There was a Chronicle article, or I think it was a Chronicle article, I just saw in the last couple of days, it said the LSU coaches admitted they've made promises to five-star recruits to start them, which is why they didn't start Tari Eason. Uh, it's kind of pathetic, but that's bad the basketball stuff that I, I hate. But let's move to Ty Ty Washington, Frank. And before I start on his evaluation, let's remember that the Rockets have now turned Christian Wood into... Ty Ty, two second round picks, maybe more assets if they can trade Sterling Brown, Trey, Trey Burke, or uh, Marquise Chris for anything. And this is a 6'4 point guard with a 6'8 wingspan who was ranked 14th in his high school class. Frank, he reminds me, and, I, and I've seen it other places, reminds me when I watch him and I watch some of the tape of Tony Parker. Yeah, Ty Ty, he is, um, and I just learned uh, yesterday that he has his wingspan, you know, being like six, eight or six, nine or something like that. Um, he is, I, I didn't know much about him. I'm not going to uh, um, kind of, uh, you know, make, make up anything, but just watching, I started watching film as soon as we drafted all these guys. And he reminds me, like you said, Tony Parker. I also see a little bit of surprisingly John wall, but without the athleticism, he's very um, kind of in that mid range coming off of screens. He has a very quick pull up. Um, he can run the pick and roll beautifully. I think that was an underrated aspect of John Wall's game. Um, I just love him. And I think one of the benefits of having a guy like that, that is a first round pick on your team, um, is that you could have a backup for in case the KPJ thing goes wrong. Um, I think that's a guy that they can have. And also, um, even if KPJ is the starting point guard of the future, you have a guy that could give you a change of pace where you can go a little more tempo um, and a more traditional offense uh, that kind of distributes around to the other guys. The thing that I saw when I was watching him was he, even more so than Wall, could knock down that 10 to 16 footer. He'd make space for himself in that rent, in that area. And that that's something that, you know, it's a great weapon to have in this time where everybody's trying to shoot three pointers and that space is open because nobody's using it right now. Yeah, his mid-range is is beautiful, and he's a good catch-and-shoot, uh, three-point shooter, um, smart. He knows how to maneuver his body. He does the little thing that Chris Paul does where he gets into the paint and there's somebody trailing him where he kind of kind of stop and use his body to get some space from there. Um, I know he's not like the most athletic guy, but I think it was a great value pick uh, for, for the Rockets, and 
in Silas's offense, I can, I re, I'm really excited to see him. I'm really, really excited to see what he does because honestly, I don't think coach Silas has had the talent level of a point guard yet. Like he has with Ty Ty Washington, as far as somebody that you don't have to teach how to be a point guard. And he has the pedigree uh, coming out of high school. He's one of the top rated uh, players in his class. So I'm excited to see what he does in that system. I think he's going to flourish and be challenging for at least that backup role uh, early on. When you look at it, they got three guys in the first round that at one point were all projected lottery picks. With Ty Ty coming in, though, Daisha Nix, he was talked about. We heard from Jonathan Fagan that the Rockets look at him as, as a lottery pick from last year. Who has more upside after you watch little Ty Ty Washington tape, Nix or him? I mean, that's easy. That's a tie tie. I mean, the shooting, just the the feel for the game. He's just he's played at a at a blue blood school where he's won against a high level, you know, future NBA prospects. Um, I think Nick's the thing that I see with him that's really limiting, limiting him is that he the, he's not very explosive. And for a player as big as he is, and I love his size at point guard, um, he just doesn't um, explode really in any aspect of his game to me. And the shooting isn't consistent enough for it, for that to kind of uh, override some of those other issues. Um, I think he's going to be a good point guard, but as far as upside, I don't really see much of where he goes from where he is right now, except developing a better shot. With Ty Ty, being able to score from all three levels, having a good finishing package, uh, being able to read the defense in real time, being able to distribute, broke John Wall's 17 assist record at Kentucky. Um, I mean, they have a player and this to me um, you have a pedigree guy like that. Uh, then, you know, that's always where I'm going to go with, give me the pedigree and hopefully the coaching can catch up to that and get him to where he needs to be. But I'm really excited about him. I want to ask you about the starting lineup and the rotation, because I know a lot of people have, you know, we had a chance to think about that over the last couple of days. And you talked about it a little bit on your Twitter spaces. If the season starts right now, where are we? I know, Eric Gordon could still be on the move. So let's see what happens with that. But say he's not on the move. I think it's almost a certainty four of the five starting five are Jalen, KPJ, Shangun, and Jabari at UI. And I think uh, Steven Silas would all agree with that. Who's your fifth starter to start the season? And who do you think Silas's fifth starter is, if that's any different? I, I think we were going to be, I mean, we're all probably going to be disappointed, but I think it's going to be Tate. If EG is gone, uh, if EG is there, it's going to be Eric Gordon. One one thing I read about Silas, he is very old school in his approach to coaching, which is that he gives dues to guys that have been there. He's, you know, giving the vets preferences over younger guys. Uh, Jabari is going to start by just share a draft position, just like they did with Jalen. But I am sure in a world in Silas's head, if he could, he would have benched, uh, had Jalen Green coming off the bench last year um, because of how it kind of impacted the team early on. But um, I think those four you name, it's probably going to be Tate. And, um, you know, I think that's what they're going to roll with. Now, as the season goes on, I can see, uh, you know, I think Tari, I'm not sure. I'm really kind of wondering what they're going to do with him. Is he going to go to the G League um, if he can't get minutes amongst KJ Tate and some of the other guys that are going to be there? Or is he a guy that they're going to give a chance early on? I think it all comes down to what Tari does in summer league and what he shows them uh, in practice and uh, during training camp. Um, But eventually, his body size and wingspan and just his his build and his, you know, to me, he does everything Tate does, but better. <laughs> That's what I project him as. So I don't see that being an issue in, you know, maybe a year from now towards the end of the season. 
Yeah, you took it right out of my mouth what I was going to say about Tari. You know, G League a potential uh, with him, but whatever he does in, in, in preseason and in training camp, you know, he can make himself, you know, somebody that's right there in the mix. And I know Silas won't do this, but, you know, my belief is Josh Christopher should be the fifth starter. I like having another player on the floor who can shoot or drive and create his own shot. In the NBA, you look at how Oklahoma City is the drafting and developing their guys. They're trying to get as many of those guys on the floor as possible. He's way more skilled than Jay Sean and KJ, which I know are possibilities as, as a starter at the three spot. He's still switchable defensively with his physicality and his quickness. I don't want Eric Gordon starting because he doesn't play every game with his injury history and this in and out of the lineup stuff with your starters to me makes no sense, especially if Eric Gordon is not a part of your future. And he, you know, he's you can still give him 25, 30 minutes coming off the bench. And if he's hot 35 minutes or something like that, but he doesn't need to be in the starting lineup as it's set right now. I don't see Garrison Matthews even in the rotation. So you can sort of take him completely out of the mix so it gets really interesting, and there's this real battle, I think, when you look at it, Frank, at the three spot and just with the rotation because, you know, you've got Martin, you got Tate, you got Eason, and we can't forget about Garuba that's just sitting right there, and, and he's one year ahead of, of Tari Eason. And, you know, I don't think he's the starter because I look at this guy as more of a, somebody that's going to be in the three spot. However... You know, because Jabari can shoot the lights out, you might be able to play Garuba along with, you know, Shane Goon because, you know, you can play Garuba in that dunker spot potentially. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I would put Garuba in the mix uh, with between Jabari, Shane Goon and kind of that trio rather than with Tate and them because I think they view Garuba as a five, a four slash five or a small ball five. Um, but I think like you sta- stated, the versatility that they've added just by having Bari and Tari on the team um, between, between even that pool of players uh, being able to throw out some of the lineups that you, you want to look at. I mean, can you imagine a lineup? Let's take Shangun off the floor and you have uh, Bari, Tari, Garuba, uh, um, you know, Jalen and KPJ or some form of uh, the three of Josh, Jalen, KPJ, Jabari and Tari. I mean, in like a year or two, that defense, and to me, I've seen enough in Jalen Green to know that he's going to be a good defender. I think he was one of our better perimeter defenders towards the end of the year. Kevin Porter is, uh, when he's on it, he's on it. He's kind of inconsistent there. But, uh, and Josh, I think he projects to be a good defender based on his size and just his uh, work ethic. Uh, I mean, I'm excited about that. Uh, And as far as the three position, it is a crunch. I think they're going to move one of those guys. I don't know who it is. Maybe it's KJ. Maybe it's Tate. I feel like they, uh, for the betterment of the team and trying to get these these draft picks minutes, they probably should um, look to um, probably packaging uh, one of either KJ or Tate uh, to make room for some of these younger guys that uh, have higher upside. It feels like there would definitely be a market for Tate out there for some of these teams. You look at a Portland that's their roster's really shrunk with everything that they've got. And they need some some warm bodies over there, and, and defense is more and more of a priority with them. But, you know, I feel you could find a landing spot for him. And, yeah, it, a two-for-one deal or a three-for-one deal, especially with some of these Mavericks guys. I don't know if there's an interest in a, you know, in a Burke or a Sterling Brown, but to me, you know, some of these veteran teams might need back-of-the-bench guys that they can – bring in and trust a little bit in those situations. Do you see that, how that's playing out or maybe one of these guys being added into an Eric Gordon trade and 
is an Eric Gordon trade. Do you think is, is there a, a team out there? We, we keep hearing about the Sixers. You know, is that a team that's do you think that's a legitimate candidate for him going there? And do you think Daryl might be interested in one of those other two guys to throw into the mix? I think that um, Tate be, off the bench. I think a lot of contenders should you know be want should want him to to be on their on their bench. Um, I don't like him as a starter um, just because his skill sets are basically overlap what a starter would do. He's he's good in isolation. He's good at facilitating, and uh, that's pretty much his strengths. And you know he has pretty uh, pretty good defense, not great. And I don't need him isolating or facilitating if I have like James Harden out there or anybody else that's a star. So, um, you know, any of those teams, I think he brings like leadership. And I wish we could, you know, I honestly, I wish the Rockets would keep him because I think off the bench, like I said, I like what he, the intangibles, a guy that's fiery, he's a hard worker, um, you know, all the, you know, the blah, 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 the culture stuff. Um, but yeah, I think any team, uh, Portland, I'm not sure if he fits over there, Um because to what they need Portland needs is really they need more Jeremy Grants really longer defenders because their backward is so small and I just can't imagine a, a lineup with having you know Dame um, Simons and you know Tate and, you know to me that's just food because a lot of the NBA uh, wings that are kind of predatory right now in the NBA um, they really bully Tate um, like when he plays LeBron or Kawhi and any of those guys I mean anybody struggles but he fouls a lot when he has mismatch against players that are bigger than him. So, um, you know, I think anywhere where he can come off the bench and give you good hard hustle minutes would be good for Tate. And we get the yearly Tate has got a new <laughs> three point jump shot. <laughs> they call them the ace in the hole. <laughs> oh, Lord. oh yeah. That's, it comes every year. Oh, he's been working. Oh, it's, he's hitting everything in practice. And it, it, well, you see that with a bunch of these guys. Yeah, which the worst one is Ben Simmons. I would say they showed the like the two minute practice practice tape of him hitting like three three pointers at practice, and then he gets in the season and uh, he never takes one. Yeah, so yeah, Tate is is in there. We get the workout tapes from uh, the summer of him looking like Steph Curry, then comes back and shoots thirty percent from three. We hear those Nick Claxton rumors out there, and I'm not exactly sure the reason for it. I, I get it, adding a veteran, a defensive guy, maybe that changes a little bit with the draft changing on the Rockets and they didn't get Paulo and they, they got Jabari. I don't know, but would you add a veteran rotation player in free agency or through a trade? And if so, is there somebody in particular you got in mind? I always say I would love for like a guy like JaVel McGee um, that he is an expiring um, that's going to be uh, coming out on the Suns. I don't know what they're going to do with him. Obviously I don't think the Rockets are interested in him, but I do want us to have a traditional big uh, on the team. That's able to um, kind of give us that switch up when we go to our bench, because I know Shangun, as much as I'm high on Shangun, I do understand his limitations. And I would really like to see um, not only him play with a traditional big, but us having the versatility to be able to throw out one of those guys, uh, depending on the matchups that we have. So um, to me, they, if that's a position that you need a veteran at, we have all these young guys, bring in somebody that's respected, somebody that's um, that has, you know, some Notor, you know, notoriety in the league, and but isn't a star. And I think uh, a guy like McGee, a, a multi-champion, somebody that you know is tough, knows, and will bring it, and kind of help some of our younger bigs. Uh, and is is a, is a person I'm looking at. Nick Claxton is a young guy. I don't feel like we need any more um, young guys or projects. If you're going to bring in a veteran, make sure it's somebody that counts, that can add to the culture here, and kind of help our guys progress and go forward. 
you say JaVale McGee and I just think everything we're talking about, didn't we do this with like Nene and Tyson Chandler a few years ago? Yeah, but he's still, he's relatively young. I think JaVale, I mean, he plays good on the side. I, you know, I, I like him. I like, I'm very high on JaVale. I think the Shaq kind of uh, painted a picture of like this kind of goofball player. But I mean, if you really uh, look at him, he's a, he's a damn good player. And it's no coincidence that he's been in uh, winning situations for the past few years. So yeah, to me, that's my dream pick. I want him here. He's a shot blocker, rim runner, tough guy, can make up for a lot of the stuff that we need on the team right now. And with that tie tie pick, man, you can maybe have a second team where you have that big that can uh, run pick and roll with him and then have put some a couple shooters around them. So I, that's who I'm looking forward to if they can pick up somebody like that in free agency. Yeah, and you're right. He's not a washed up Nene or Tyson Chandler. Right. Much more of a vertical threat than most of what we have on the Rockets outside of KJ Martin. And, you know, the other thing that you, you get with somebody like him is just somebody that they see at practice that you're going to face more with these other teams. You're going to face uh, a lot more traditional bigs and stuff like that. And just having a vers- versatile lineup and different ways that they can go. The more you've got that in the NBA, we've seen it with the two teams that made it to the finals that they can do a lot of different things going small and big. And, you know, obviously what the Celtics did with, with Robert Williams, I mean, that that's such a big deal in today's NBA. So it, it does make a lot of sense. Yeah. I would say, and to me, the big is not, is not a dying position is we saw um, Looney and Williams get a lot of minutes in the finals. The thing is, can they be much as much, uh, even a little deterrent to the perimeter players not that you're just like a, a cone on the on the court when you're guarding on defense on the perimeters. Can you just keep them in front of you and contest? And I think um, guys like JaVel and, you know, hopefully maybe in the future the Rockets go and draft um, a traditional big. But I still think you need one of those guys on, on, on the roster because uh, you're going to face a lot of these these bigger guys. And I think we're still going to struggle against the uh, – uh, Valachunas of the world uh, against the, uh, you know, not even the big name guys, just the big body guys, the Nurkic's and uh, what's the, the guy down in San Antonio that always gives us fits. Pertle. But uh, yeah, Pirtle, those guys are always going to eat our lunch. And I think getting a bigger regular center is is something that could uh, that could address that. Is there any angle, you know, as we sort of wrap things up a little bit here, is there any angle with this that when you've been thinking about it over the last few days, that uh, people need to maybe look at that they haven't looked at since, I mean, this all happened so fast. We thought it was going to be Paolo and then it's Jabari. Uh, Eason falls into the Rockets lap for a lot of us out there that watched this. That was a, a godsend. Is there anything that you've been thinking about as, as you've looked things over in the last two or three days? Yeah. I'm just curious to see how, how this changes the offensive um, game plan for uh, coach Silas. Cause I'm sure they, they probably, you know, I remember when he first got the job um, for working for the Rockets, he said uh, as soon as he got the interview that he started drawing up uh, plays. So I know Silas is one of those guys that gets real giddy when he gets like, he thinks he's going to get something new. So I'm sure he, they probably drew up some plays or started thinking about some things for uh, Paolo. And now he has a whole different player that I, I don't think they just like Stone said, he didn't know he was going to um, get him, but they were ready for it. Um, I, I'm just curious, what spots is he going to be on the floor? Are the, who's who's you know, are we just going to slot him where Wood is or is he going to be playing a different role? Um, how does the team look with, you know, this this shooter that can also play defense? Uh, you know, was Wood the real reason why our defense was so poor? And when you put him in there, how much impact does he have? I think just having him on the court 
honestly, I believe is going to have such a big impact on just everything across the board. And what he does by being in a starting lineup, pushing some of these guys to the bench makes our bench better. So now we might have Tate coming off the bench. We might have, um, instead of Garrison Matthews playing 26 minutes a game like he did last year, you know, like you said, I don't want to see Garrison Matthews on the court anymore unless it's a blowout. Uh, so I think just by just natural talent improving on the team, I think the Rockets are going to be better. I think they're going to win more games. Uh, how many? I'm, I'm thinking maybe at least I think Jabari is worth seven games to me because you're replacing 26 minutes of, of Garrison Matthews and all these other guys with that guy that's going to give it all play defense, knock down his shots, weak side helper, worm protector. Um, he can tr- hit trail threes. He can work in the mid post. So um, I'm just curious to see how it all comes together with the talent we already have. Yeah. I was thinking about it with Christian Wood leaving and Bari and Jabari coming in. Uh, I mean, Jabari and Tari coming in, it, it's out with the Christian and in with the lions, you know, right. <laughs> <Bar Hero laughs> phrase. right. Uh, oh, it's just so exciting, man. I, I, I can't wait. I mean, just, I, I, you know, you're excited about the rocket season anyway, as a fan, I know you're such a diehard like I am, but uh, just to, to, to be able to see how these guys uh, can work together and, and what they can bring and, and having somebody that's Jabari, that's like a ready-made, we know a couple of things that he does well and yeah, you know, he's a good defender in college. It takes time in the NBA, but we know that that's something that he cares about and he's going to do from day one. And if you watch the Rockets last year, that was the frustrating thing. There were too many guys out there that just were not focused on that end of the floor. And, and to have somebody like that, that's going to be that focused and he's going to be one of your best players like that. I mean, it, it sends a ripple effect through the entire team. Yep. And I loved his draft day interviews. Um, I mean, it got me fired up, man. I don't know about you, but just hearing his responses to some of the answer, uh, questions that he was asked about not caring about scoring and just playing defense. And I believe him uh, because if there's no way you could play with those Auburn guards and I believe that because <laughs> they were, they weren't that good. So um, now nah, I'm, I'm excited. Like to me, the reason, you know, effort on the team was something we all complain about guys not running back on defense, guys quitting on their rotations, just mid play and just not going after, you know, going to rotate to the guy that has the ball, just little things like that. And, you know, the main person for, culprit of that was Christian Wood and the fact that he's not on a team. And then you go back and reinsert two guys that are like known, probably two of the best uh, wing four defenders in the draft on on our team. It is perfect. Match made in heaven. We have our offensive engine in Jalen Green. Um, you know, we might get to draft. Uh, hopefully not. And, you know, we're not the worst team in the league next year. But there's a lot of talent in the 2023 draft class all the way throughout. And maybe we find another guy that can be a scorer. And then you start, you know, you're off to the races from there. Uh, you might even get a free agent that can uh, fill that role of that second primary scorer that we're probably going to need. Um, but, you know, like you said, it's fun times for the Rockets. Uh, I'm going to, you know, give them a little more credit this year. They've really done a lot of good things that, to me, um, kind of signal that they're serious about this rebuild. So I'm happy. Take two minutes and, you know, tell me what's going on over at H- HTX uh, Chop Shop. On the Chop Shop, we've been working on a lot of different stuff. Obviously, it's the dead time of the year uh, during the offseason. But, you know, the draft really brings in a lot of new stuff, new content for us. Uh, we'll be focusing on trying to really um, help the fan base get to know some of these new guys uh, with Ty Ty, with Tari and Jabari and kind of digging into their numbers and 
looking at different things. Also, something we're looking to do is try to go back in time. I'm finding that a lot of the fan base um, isn't really aware of the Rockets history. You know, you get in these discussions on on the on Twitter and people don't have reference points that go back previous uh, prior to Harden. So uh, we might be doing some things where we have some legacy um, videos and different things like that, uh, that for the, some of the younger fans to be able to learn about the Rockets history. But if you guys uh, want to follow us, it's at HEX chop shop on Twitter. And we also have a YouTube page with the same name as the um, chop shop and just look us up. We have great Rockets content uh, for uh, everybody. Speaking of Rockets history, the best guy to come out of Auburn in a Rockets uniform since Jabari, this guy named Charles Barkley. He was pretty right. good with the Rockets. And the best guy to come out of Kentucky, I think, since Ty Ty would have been Patrick Patterson. I loved to watch Patrick Patterson when he was with the Rockets. And uh, he, the thing about Ty Ty is it seems like the Kentucky guards usually get better when they get away from Calipari. So that's another <laughs> thing I, I should have added in all of that. But man, it was great catching up with you. And you know, uh, we got summer league just a couple of weeks away, so we'll get a little bit of a taste. That should be fun, but uh, I, can't, I just can't wait. Can't wait for the season. I can't wait to see Paulo and Jabari match up, man. That's that's going to be pay per view stuff right there. Thanks for doing this. Yes, sir. Take care. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.